Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew 28, starting in verse uh, 1. Verse 1, Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. He is risen. Amen. He is risen indeed. Yes, yes. All right. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 28 of Matthew. Now after the Sabbath... As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he, ha- as he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee, and therefore you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples the word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! And so they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we we give you thanks. You are our God. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ in, in our lives and all that he has done and the sacrifice that was made, but the resurrection on this glorious morning. Father, we thank you. And as we open your word together, Father, we just ask that your spirit would come amongst us and just open our hearts and open our minds and just lead us in the direction that you would have us go. Father, to you be the glory in all of this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, but please leave those Bibles open. You know, I was thinking this morning, um, as I was heading off to the the, uh, um, sunrise service, that, you know, it was a morning uh, very much similar to this that, that uh, something very, very special happened. There was something that, that happened that, that could change the life of, of every person on this earth. Could. Could. But every person. How much has ever happened in, in the history of this world that, that could change the life of every person who is on this earth. This day, nearly 2,000 years ago, something did happen. And, 
And what that, that change could be would be a, in, in terms of, of earthly years. It could be an eternity. And, and the eternity for, for you and for, for, for me could be changed. Could be changed altogether. Eternity. Think about it. Guys, we have a tough time thinking about eternity. We, we think about, you know, if, if you're a kid sometimes, you can't wait till you grow up. If you're a parent, you can't wait for your kids to grow up. Um, if, if, if you want to get to that magical age of, of being an adult, man, that's, that's tough. That's hard stuff to wait for. Um, you know, you're getting ready to go on a vacation. You just... just can't wait. And there seems to be an eternity of waiting for something that you can't wait to see happen. But eternity, what really is eternity? And what happened 2,000 years ago really does change your eternity. What is it? It isn't just a short period of time. It isn't, um, in fact, the dictionary says an infinite time. Is, is eternity, or the eternal existence, or a timeless state after death. This is a long time, a long period of time. And when Jesus has your eternity in the palm of his hands, folks, there's no better place for it to be. Because eternity is a long, long time. You think that you're feeling old today and that, and that wow, the life is just going on and on and on. No, eternity. When we have been with him 10,000 years, what, what, did, what was the song? When we've been there 10,000 years, just a whisper of time in eternity. But you see, what I find interesting is, is with these women that were coming to the, to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, um, I love how the Gospels cover it. Um, each one. Um, Justin was reading about one this morning out of Luke. And, but all of the Gospels are, are a, little, a little bit different in this, and each one takes its own, its own place. And but these women were coming to the, coming to the tomb on a, on a morning. And it was. It was like a morning, like, like this. And, and the Gospel of John, he says that, that it was Mary Magdalene. Uh, Mark says that it was Mary Magdalene, Mary and the mother of James, uh, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. Luke says it's just the women. And it's a continuation from a previous chapter in, in chapter 23. Um, where they prepared the spices and they're heading, they're heading for the tomb. They watched where Jesus had been buried. They were there when he was put on that cross. And, and, they, and they stood at a distance as, as they watched him die on that cross, to be taken down from the cross. Joseph of, of Arimathea took that body, took it to his own personal tomb, and, and they stood at a distance as, as the body was, was wrapped and, and put into, into, that, into that tomb. Um, the, the women witnessed this. But what was their concern? What was their concern? Well, their concern was that they needed to anoint the body. They needed to do this in a proper manner. And, and, and so as they were coming to the tomb that morning, their main concern was this. 
How are we going to open the tomb? How are we going to get into this tomb where Jesus lay? We have this, this, this obligation that we have to this one that, that we have followed, to the son, Mary's son, that they, they had this opportunity and, this, and, and it was an obligation to go to that tomb and they needed to anoint the body. And so they, as they came to the tomb early that morning, their concern, believe me, was how are we going to get into the tomb? Not that easy. But picture it. As it's dawn, and as these women approach the tomb, I love it how Scripture says it, the earth shakes. It shakes. Anybody ever been through an earthquake? Have you ever, have you ever been through one? Feel, feel the earth shake? Ladies, it's not when that special man uh, walked into your life that you felt the earth shake. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Isn't that right, honey? Yes, I know. Okay. <laughs> earth shake. But you see, the women, they felt the earth shake. And as they got to the tomb, they looked, and the tomb was open. And there was a stone. The stone that was rolled in front of the tomb was laying off to the side. And there was an angel. Sitting on, sitting on the stone. We've had the opportunity when we went to Israel to see the tomb. You know, there's always a, a, a little question here or there. You can go into the, the church of the Holy Sepulchre and you walk in the door and you go up the stairs and that's where the crucifixion happened and you come down here and that's where they prepared the body. Walk around the corner and there's, there's the, uh, the tomb. And... Okay, please. But then you, after that you can go out and you can go to the garden and you can see the real garden tomb. And guys, when you're there you know you're there. You know you're there. And, and as you look at the tomb and you walk up to the tomb and you're able to walk inside, you look and there is a track right outside that door, a track that is, that is 20 feet long, that they took the stone and they placed the stone into the track and they rolled the stone to cover a door, a door that was four and a half, five feet high at most. Maybe five feet, because you really had to get down to get into the tomb. Folks, when you walk into that, you know, you know that you were, are where Jesus, where Jesus was laid. And, and, but the angel is sitting on, on this stone, continents like, like lightning. I don't know, you know, the, the Bible sometimes... The Bible gives, gives a definition um, or gives you a picture of, of, of what something looks like. And if you can imagine someone sitting on this stone with a countenance of lightning, what that must look like. And these poor women, as they're coming down, trying to figure out how are we going to get the tomb open and finding the tomb open, and there is an angel sitting on this monstrous stone and, and, and with, a, with a countenance of 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 lightning. John, John, in the Gospel of John, uses a term that the stone itself was taken away from the tomb. Was taken away. 
Guys, what it's, what it's really trying to say is the, is the stone itself was thrown. The, the stone was picked up and the stone was, was thrown from the tomb. Um, it, it, was, it was thrown not so that Jesus could come out of the tomb, but the stone was thrown away from the door so that the women could go into the tomb. So that all of those who were going to witness this blessed event could actually walk into the tomb and see that Jesus is not there. You see, they didn't move the stone so Jesus could get out. You know, the Gospel of John also says that, that John and Peter, when they were told that Jesus was missing, that he wasn't in the tomb, that, they, that John and Peter ran to the tomb, and, and John getting there first, because Peter was decidedly older than John, that, that, that John got to the tomb first and he, and he threw on the brakes and he, and he looked inside the tomb. He didn't... Who walks into a tomb where there was dead people? You know, it's just not something that he really felt comfortable doing. But Peter, Peter went into the tomb. Mm. Not really sure if Peter was brave or if his brakes didn't work. I'm not really sure. But one or the other, Peter ended up in, in, the, in the tomb and, and looking. And then John would come in later to see that Jesus was not there. He wasn't there. You know, as I was telling you, the tomb, the doorway, is about four and a half feet high, about that wide, and so, just conservatively speaking, the stone that it would have, take, that would have taken to cover that doorway, you know, in, in conservatively speaking, that stone would have to be about one and a half to two tons to be able to cover the opening of, of the door of, of that structure or of, of that tomb. You know, and so, that stone, that little stone, you know, was picked up and it was thrown. An angel did that. An angel came down to the stone and took the stone one and a half to two tons. That's it. Three to four thousand pounds in my book. And he took this thing and he threw it to the side. Do you want to know what the earthquake was, folks? It was that stone hitting the ground. That's what it was. You don't move 4,000 pounds like that without it shaking the earth. Anybody want to arm wrestle with an angel? That's strength. That's strength. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priest were so relieved that Jesus had finally been crucified. They could get back to their, to their normal living. They could get back to things being the way they were. But... He had been crucified, he'd been stuck in this tomb, and, you know, things could get back to normal. But, but, what if he was who he said he was? What if, if Jesus was going to come back? What was, what if he was going to raise after three days? What if he was going to raise up from the dead? What was going to happen? Look in Matthew in Matthew 27, starting in verse 62. We up there? Good. 
where it says, On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise, and therefore commanded that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people he has risen from the dead. And so the last deception would be worse than the first. And I know this is only going to 64, but let me read 65 and 66, where Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. And so they went and they made the tomb secure and they sealed the stone, and they set and the setting of the guard. You see, not only did they take a guard and put it at, at two guards and set the guards at the tomb to make sure that, that, the, uh, that, that the Lord, or actually that the disciples weren't going to come back and roll the stone back and take Jesus out and you know, claim that he had risen. Not only did they do that, but they also sealed the stone. They sealed it in place. And you know what I find is an interesting thing? And I had heard this the other day and never, never really thought about it. But, but listen, listen to this. Jesus told his disciples for, for three and a half years and all the time that, that he was with them, he says, I'm going, to be, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. I'm going to rise from the, I'm going to be risen from the dead. I'm going to do that. And, and so, did they believe him? No, they didn't really listen to him all that much. I mean, they listened to Jesus, yes, but when, but when he was talking about being crucified and, ri- and, and rising from the dead, that part just kind of missed it. They just kind of missed it. And so when they sealed the stone, who sealed the stone? It was those that were the unbelievers. They believed that he was coming back. They were the ones that sealed the stone. They believed him. And they thought that maybe if they sealed the stone that he wouldn't be able to come back. You see, when the Lord tells you something, you better believe it. You better believe it. When he says he's coming back, you better believe it. Hallelujah. That is very true. They guarded the tomb to make sure that the disciples wouldn't come back to take Jesus out. And here are the disciples. As the women show up at the tomb, the guards are passed out on the ground from fear, and there sits an angel on top of this monstrous rock or stone that had been rolled in front of the tomb. You know, could the disciples have stolen Jesus' body? Well, let me tell you something. Scripture tells us that over the next 40 days, Christ spoke with his disciples many times. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, it says this. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain uh, to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Paul tells us that many people who witnessed, some 500 people, who have witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ and had Jesus come to them and speak to them, some of them in large groups saw the resurrected Christ. See, and there were those who were still living at the time when Paul wrote that. You see, Paul says many of those who witnessed him are alive today and they're not disputing the resurrection. 
There are those who will try to deny the resurrection today. They will. They say that they found a tomb someplace with Jesus in it. Well, the problem is, folks, some people and some Christians who should know better will say, so what's the difference? What's the difference? If Jesus was, never really rose from the dead, what's the difference? We can go along with that. I think that's part of the problem with Christianity today, that when the world says something can't happen, we just agree with it. And it's not true. If, if, the, if, if the world goes against Scripture, we say, hey, what difference does it make? It makes a big difference. You see, looking in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19, it says this. Now, if Christ is preached, he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he is risen up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Guys, if Jesus Christ didn't raise, wasn't raised from the dead, then you are lost in your sin. And we are totally wasting our time in here today. And not only that, but those who have passed away before you are gone. And they're in the ground. And they are nowhere. And, they, and if this is all that we believe in, guys, we're pitiful. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I ain't pitiful. And I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. If someone says, what is the difference between Christianity and any other religion? It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is, he is not on the cross, and he is not in the tomb. He is with the Father Almighty. And, even better than it all, he's coming back one day. Christ. Don't let anyone, don't let anyone in this world tell you that there was no such thing as the resurrection. And if anybody ever asks you, what is the difference between Christianity and all of the other, all the other faiths out there? What's the difference between us and, and, and Islam or, or any of the other ones? They're, all their gods are dead. Ours is alive. And he rose from the dead. Guys. This is time to rejoice. If there is one thing about Easter that we need to do, we need to rejoice in who Jesus Christ is and that he is alive today. The perfect Lamb of God who shed his blood for you. And I know that there is one thing that, I, that just hits me so often, and it's not just at Easter, and it's not when... He, when, when when Jesus was, was crucified. and You know, I, I just know that on that cross, as Jesus was on that cross, and, and he had the seven statements from the cross, that there could have been 
an eighth statement. And that eighth statement could have been your name because he knew you. He knew you. This is God, the creator of heaven and earth, the God who created all things. Nothing was created that wasn't created through him. (sighs) And he knows you. And he knows your name. And he knows your heart. Guys, we serve a living God. And, And he is a good and a gracious God. And he knew that there was no way that we could be reconciled back to him because of the sin that we had become. And so God became man. God in the flesh came to this earth to become the perfect lamb. And his blood was shed for you. Rejoice in him. I love communion. I love communion. And this being a time when we think about all that he has done for us is a great day to take, is to take communion. And so as we do, guys, take this communion, come down and rejoice in who he is. Give him thanks for the salvation that you've received through Jesus Christ our Lord. On the night that he was betrayed, after finishing the Passover meal in that upper room with his disciples, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks to the Father and he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Eat this. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. After the bread, he took the cup and again he gave thanks to the Father and he said, This cup is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this. And when you do, do this in remembrance of what I've done for you. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his shed blood. We thank you, Father, that three days later he rose from the dead, that death was defeated, and that today he is with God the Father. But Father, we thank you. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. And so Father, as we come to your table today, we just ask that you would bless these common elements, the the bread and the juice. Let them be the body and the blood of Christ for all who partake. Bless this time together. Touch our hearts as only you can. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.